very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview, you know what to do. Go to VeritasRadio.com and give yourself the gift of truth by clicking on the subscribe button. If I mention the term black hole, most people would think of this dark monster that sucks everything around it, even light, when in fact, according to tonight's special guest, it is the source of creation. Today we're going to talk about punk science, inside the mind of God. Sounds to me like a very big subject, and indeed it is. Our special guest is Dr. Manjir Samantha Lawton. After qualifying as a medical general practitioner, a holistic therapist and working in a cancer help center, Dr. Samantha Lawton began a quest to highlight the links between science and spirituality. This has culminated in the emergence of a new scientific vision that she communicates to the public in lectures, workshops, and numerous articles. She has co-founded the Children of the New World Conference and is the UK contributing editor to Children of the New Earth magazine in California, has a science column in Planet Lightworker magazine, and has been featured on television documentaries. She's the author author of Pong Science, Inside the Mind of God, and The Genius Groove, The New Science of Creativity. And to learn more about Dr. Samantha Lawton, visit her websites at paradigmrevolution.com, pongscience.com, and also pongsciencemovie.com. And directly from Derbyshire, England, UK. I'm privileged to welcome Dr. Manjir Samantha Lawton to Veritas. Hello and welcome. Hello, good to be here. Oh, it's my privilege. And as I was telling you offline, sometimes when I read books, sometimes they shatter my paradigm. And your book is is one of those. It's great to find somebody. But you know what? Why don't we just have you tell us the story? You come from a, a family of doctors, very orthodox doctors. You were basically trained in science, but all of a sudden you step outside that box and you basically came to this, can I say, rabbit hole that got you. And now you're basically telling us the real, the real story of how the universe got created. Why don't you tell us, let's go back from early times on how this transformed you. Oh, gosh. Well, yes, you're absolutely right. I um, I come from a very medical family, very high-achieving family. 
and uh, my um, family originally were based in West Bengal in India and um, people who know that sort of culture um, it's a culture that educates both um, their sons and daughters to quite a high level and uh, so there's a lot of competition um, to be a doctor or an engineer which is seen as a very very high um, high career in India and uh, so my parents came to the UK um, and uh, in the early 70s, and they had me. And of course, my parents are both doctors. They met in medical school. My grandfather was a doctor. And it was very much um, from the beginning, very clear that I was going to have a medical career too. Um, it's just what is expected of you, boy or girl, that um, at least one, if not two, um, sons or daughters will get into medical school in every family. It's it's what's expected. Um, so because of my temperament being, you know, quite calm compared to I've got two sisters, um, people would often pick me out. So from a very early age, I was groomed for medical a medical life. And um, so I was aware of that. And, uh, you know, so I went through all the usual sort of exams and, you know, very much being trained to um, to uh, go through the academic route and work hard and, and get through all that. And uh, also the scientific life, although my parents uh, have a Hindu background, you know, it, it, it was science was um, revered in our household growing up, much like some people might revere the Bible. Uh, my mother was very much about chemistry and physics being, um, all, you know, very, very special. And um, th- those were the highest things to attain, uh, to to um, to go towards, you know, have been, been into physics, chemistry, maths were, you know, very holy in our house, like the Bible might be holy in other people's houses. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. you know, there was there was this scientific drive. And it's it's very much like that in a lot of Bengali families, even Bengali families that are, um, you know, where the children have have always lived in the UK or US or, you know, wherever they, they retain that culture. And um, so I um, ended up going to medical school in London and um, that's where everything changed for me. I was a complete and utter skeptic. So that's where, um, you know, I kind of stepped out of the box, really. Now, punk science, when people hear that term, punk science, why did you write the book in the first place? Oh, right. Um, that was something that um, uh, that really gradually grew because, um, you know, I really went from a skeptic to um, overnight, I uh, suddenly had an, an awakening. And this was in the first few weeks of medical school. And I went to what I thought was going to be a yoga class with, um, you know, exercises and postures. And somebody else had signed me up. I didn't even sign up for this. Uh, but when I got there, um, instead of doing exercises, they actually did a meditation and um, so what happened was I ended up having something called the Kundalini experience. And I'd never heard of this before. I was a complete skeptic. And so overnight, my world was completely rocked, you know. And um, I went on a journey. Here I was in medical school, very first term in London. And med school is, you know, from a particular scientific perspective, they don't understand anything spiritual about people. They shun it. 
Um, it's very non-holistic. And uh, so gradually I was going through all these experiences of spiritual awakening in parallel with my medical training. And so I initially went through a bit of a rejection of science, but um, then when I started to study about um, quantum physics and um, faster than light theory and all of these wonderful things that were coming out of cosmology, for example, in the 90s, dark matter, dark energy and all that sort of stuff, um, I started to bring the two together and realized that, um, you know, there is a, a field that, uh, I mean, I, I definitely knew I wasn't the first to come out with bringing science and spirituality together. There's just so many amazing authors such as Gary Zukav, Deepak Chopra, and all of these amazing people. I wanted to, uh, write a book that was contemporary, easy to understand, and had some pop culture in, and um, you know, since I was quite young, I was into the punk movement, which is a sort of music movement, um, which is still very much revered in Britain. Um, you know, we had bands like the Sex Pistols here, sure, certainly, uh, and it was, you know, it's that spirit of rebellion um, that I was, you know, capturing that this is rebellious science. This is not about establishment. And because um, I knew that the skeptics would just be like, you know, rubbishing it. And it's a statement that this is in your face. This is the new. And um, this is not uh, <laughs> this is not an apologetic statement. And uh, it doesn't matter if someone's going to disapprove because, you know, this this is what's happening anyway. So um, so that's where the whole punk thing came from. But the idea to write a book um I didn't know what was going to happen. Like, I didn't realize I was going to actually come out with all the stuff that you mentioned at the beginning of, about black holes. I just simply wanted to write um, a contemporary, um, sort of easy-to-understand uh, book that was fun. And um, what went on was <laughs> quite a surprise, really. But that's where it all started out. I suspect that the music had a, a a big effect on your transformation because you had sections of the book, for example, you you say we don't need no education, Pink Floyd, and or it's the end of the world as we know it. So I suspected that punk music probably had something to do with it too. But you know, I've always had this burning question: Who created the creator? Which brings me back to the biggest conundrum of cosmology, the Big Bang. Do we know where it banged, and what banged? Oh gosh, that's uh, that's a big question that a lot of um, physicists really want to know because um, in in their paradigm, I'm just going to go into the paradigm of orthodox science for the moment. It's not something that I agree with, um, but uh, they they have this idea that everything was created in in one moment, and so if you follow the universe back and in time, so that it it comes more and more into a single point. Um, we can follow it uh, according to their par uh, paradigm um, to almost to the point of creation, but then we don't know what happened. We don't know how, um, you know, basically you're breaking all the laws of physics at that point because um, something, everything comes out of nothing, and that's not allowed. Um, so, you know, it's breaking all the laws of entropy and everything like that. And I was actually at a... Um, 
a meeting in a physics conference in England and um, Neil Turok, who uh, was formerly of Cambridge University and uh, is now at the Perimeter Institute, I believe, in, in Canada. And um, he actually put up a slide and he was talking about his sort of brain theories uh, where, you know, brain, B-R-A-N-E, actually collide and that could have created the Big Bang. And he actually put a little hand on the slide because he was saying, well, we don't know how it got started, so this is as good an explanation as as anything, but effectively the hand of God. So here I was in a physics conference, and they're putting up a slide of the hand of God, which is really, <laughs> really quite hilarious. Yeah. So, you know, in the orthodox scientific view, which is not what I talk about, um, they've got a big problem because um, it just doesn't really work. Um, but, you know, they've got a a phrase that says shut up and calculate so um <laughs> most of the time they don't let it bother them uh but yeah there's a there's a lot of things that, that that don't fit um but the theories that i've been talking about actually um can help to resolve some of these issues and explain some of the actual evidence that we're getting through and that's what's so exciting and I have as i prepared the audience right from the beginning this is going to be a very very deep interview and a lot of times it's going to shatter a lot of paradigms. You know, when we think of tangible objects, and this was a hard one for me to grasp, you say there's no such thing as a solid reality. Are you implying that the universe is a hologram? Gosh, well, um, for, I mean, this isn't just me talking about this. I mean, this is uh, in terms of the, the universe not being solid. Um, you know, we did, this is the scientific journey um, to the 20th century and beyond, you know. So when we came up to the 20th century, we we were, you know, thinking that um, everything around us is made up of solid particles. And um, But when we started to look deeper into the nature of reality, of course, we realized that the, um, the atoms are actually made up of smaller particles with lots of empty space in between. And we don't really know what that consists of. And uh, when you go deeper, and of course into the world of quantum theory, where um, you know the, the behavior of these particles is according to uh, whether or not we're looking, whether or not we're measuring, um, that it, it's just incredible. So um, there's some, there's some, you know, this was the sh real shattering moment in terms of the nature of reality. And um, so that's not just me saying that, you know, this is actually the nature of quantum theory. And, of course, um, the famous Schrodinger's cat, um, you know, thought experiment about whether or not the cat is alive or, or dead, and, you know, until you actually look at it with the radioactive source in the box. And um, so, you know, this this is where we got to in the 20th century. So, um yeah, the, the, this is uh, what amazes me. Also, uh, working coming from a doctor's perspective, is that a lot of doctors don't know this. A lot of medical doctors, um, it's quite amazing. And so, another part of what why I wanted to get into this is because um, you know things like non-locality, for example, and quantum theory, where particles are connected um, no matter the distance could actually help explain things like distant intention. And uh, so there have been some studies to show that distant intention, distant prayer, actually works in um, in controlled uh, medical trials. 
And um, but you know it's very much dismissed, and I think part of the reason why it's dismissed is we don't have a mechanism. Well, you know, if you look at things like quantum entanglement, I'm not saying that this is proof, but it's kind of interesting that you have this quantum entanglement idea where particles are collected no matter the distance, and then you have this idea of of, of distant intention. And in science, you can't say that you proved anything, but it's an idea that's worth sort of looking at. What's very interesting is that um, a lot of medical doctors have no idea about these concepts, which are at the cutting edge of physics. Um, they're not taught these things at all. So they are very much working in a mechanistic universe, which is solid and um you know, Newtonian, and, and they will go down to the level of the molecule, which they think of in terms of, uh, you know, sort of billiard balls on the end of sticks and uh, fitting into each other in a lock and key uh, mechanisms. And it's a re reductionist approach. Yes, yeah, the re absolutely reductionist approach. There are actually, a lot of doctors are pretty scientifically illiterate when it comes to quantum physics and uh, anything that goes beyond. Um, so, you know, things like the holographic universe idea that you mentioned, these are concepts that are currently in mainstream physics, you know. And what I wanted to do with my work, people tell me that I do um, t uh, taekwondo with, <laughs> with concepts because what I'm really showing is, um, hey, you know, um, mainstream physics is really quite weird. And, um, you know, people think that it says X, Y, Z. But if you really look into mainstream science, um, all of those old ideas have disintegrated anyway. It's just that people don't know about it. So doctors are still working with, you know, the idea that everything is solid. They don't really conceive deeper than that. And so mainstream scientists, Nobelists, you know, all sorts of people are saying the universe is holographic. Um, so it could be sort of basically a projection um, onto kind of like a 2D surface. It's quite a complex um, complex theory. But, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not even saying that that, that, that is uh, correct. What I'm saying is this holographic idea is also in the mainstream as well. Um, so, uh, you know, whether you, you agree with it or not. So um, what people don't realize is that, uh, you know, there are scientists out there who are, you know, perfectly orthodox. They're doing, um, you know, they're professors of physics and they're saying pretty out there stuff. And uh, if you look at that and take it back to some of it, the esoteric ideas, there's, there's a lot of um, uh, parallels, a lot of comparisons and you seem to have obviously stepped stepped outside of our limitations by writing the book. When we think of zero point temperature and the speed of light, you see that that is where everything comes from, where there's activity happening, where creation is occurring, the black hole. Just because this is outside of the limitations of our perception, that's not the limitation of our universe. Give us some perspective of how you have actually flipped my, my conventional wisdom, because I thought of black holes being these monsters that devour even, you know, photos and photons around them. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's the conventional view. So, um, you know, in science, we sometimes have a, um, 
a concept that is just like a stepping stone um, until we get a better concept. And that is a progressive science. And that's okay. You know, we, we should be looking at things that can continuously evolve. And sometimes that means throwing everything out and completely um, changing your paradigm completely. And black holes are, are going to be one of these ideas because the concept that um, we have been living with with black holes um, for, you know, pretty much a century now. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.